Welcome back to JHE Ministries Bible Study. I'm Jeffrey, minister and chaplain with JHE Ministries. In our study of the book of James, we have finished chapter 2, and we are now ready to start unpacking chapter 3. In this chapter, James is going to talk to us about the untamable tongue and the control of the tongue. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to chapter 3 of the book of James, unless you have already turned there already. In chapter 3, James picks up a subject that was first mentioned in chapter 1, verse 19, and reiterated or repeated in verse 26. Genuine religion should exert a controlling influence over a person's tongue. In other words, a Christian needs to watch what they say or how they say things. James' treatment of the topic may be broken into three subdivisions. The weighty responsibility of teachers that we'll find in verses one and two. The second one is the powerful influence of the tongue in verses three through six. And then finally, the third subdivision of the perversity of the tongue that we will see in verses seven through 12. So let's go ahead and get started with verse one. I'm going to go ahead and read just the first five verses, and then we'll go ahead and visit about them. Verse one, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses, in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Now those are the first five verses getting us started in chapter 3. <clears throat> Now, getting started here in verse 1, we find that James's first concern in this passage has to do with those who desire to be teachers in the scattered Jewish Christian congregations that we read about in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It seems to have been a common practice for many of the readers to seek to become teachers. So James warns that they should stop becoming teachers in such large numbers. No doubt many who were not qualified by natural ability of spiritual gift were coveting the prestige of teaching. In other words, they shouldn't have been teachers. They are warned that teachers will be judged more strictly. It is apparent from the words that we shall or the wording of we who teach that some of you may have in your version of the Bible, that James includes himself as a teacher. The judgment of teachers will be especially strict because greater responsibility rests on the teachers. The reason for this is that the teacher's essential instrument, the tongue, has great influence. Now, leading us into verse 2 now, James gives the basis for what he has just said 
back in verse 1. The tongue is the most difficult member of the body to control. To say that we all stumble is not merely to declare that everyone makes mistakes. This word is used figuratively to refer to acts of sin. Thus, James declares the universality of sin even among believers. The person who is never at fault in his speech, one who never commits sins of speech, is a perfect man. If anyone could be found who never sins with the tongue, that person would never sin in any other way, either. Since sins of the tongue are hardest to avoid, anyone who can control the tongue is surely able to keep his whole body from being used as an instrument of sin. So here in verse 3, James illustrates the powerful influence of the tongue by the practice of putting bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us. Now a small bit can turn the whole animal. So a person who controls the tongue can control the whole being. In verse 4, the next illustration on the influence of the tongue is the rudder of a ship. Now, three factors make ships of that day difficult to control. The one factor is that they were so large. Secondly, they were driven by strong winds. And thirdly, they were steered by a very small rudder. Now, the rudder was a small blade on the end of the tiller that extended through a form of oarlock from the rear of the ship. And compared to the size of the ship and the power of the gale or the strong winds, the rudder was a minute part, yet it guided the ship wherever the pilot wanted to go. So having that much delay, you wouldn't be able to turn on a dime. It would take a little bit of time to turn, but that's how you controlled the ship. Now beginning in verse 5 with the words, even so the tongue or likewise the tongue, the application of the two preceding verses is introduced. Now, like bit, the horse's bit in verse 3, and in verse 4, the tongue also is a small item. In verse 4, we had the, the rudder. Yet also, like them, it exerts a powerful influence. The tongue makes great boasts, which is talk of excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's own achievements, their own possessions or abilities, and these are not empty claims. The tongue is able to sway multitudes of people. It can alter the destinies of nations even. The destructive potential of the, of the tongue is graphically pictured by a forest fire. Thousands of acres of valuable timber may be devastated by a small spark, just one little spark. Now, in the first two illustrations, animals and ships are controlled by small objects. In this last illustration, a huge forest is destroyed by just a tiny little spark. So the tongue likewise can either control or it can destroy. So here coming to verse 6, well, first, before we get further into 
verse 6. Let's go back and continue reading, starting with verse 6. So I'll go ahead and read the next, <clears throat> excuse me, six verses. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is also set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the sim similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grape vine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So, here in verse 6, James says the tongue is also a fire. The inflammatory tongue has turned brother against brother, neighbor against neighbor, and even nation against nation. The tongue is also a world of evil. It is though all the wickedness in the whole world were wrapped up in that little piece of flesh that we call a tongue. There are a few sins people commit in which the tongue is not involved. Now, James describes the tongue's influence as both destructive and as corrupting the whole person, which James says as the whole body. Now, since a person resides <clears throat> excuse me, in the body and uses the body as their instrument, James seems to use body to refer to the entire person. In reality, he is not referring to the tongue of flesh, but to the intelligent, communicating mind that uses the tongue as its instrument. So the mind corrupts the whole person, but the corrupting influence of the tongue reaches out in widening circles, where it sets the whole course of his life on fire. Now James is referring to the effect of the tongue has on the whole human existence. Finally, James traces the inflaming nature of the tongue back to its source. It is set on fire by hell, and that is James's way of saying that it comes from the devil. Now arriving here at verse 7, James shifts almost unnoticeably from discussing the power of the tongue, from verses 3 to 6, to a discussion of its perversity, here in the following verses of 7 to 12 that we'll be getting into more. According to verses 7 to 8, one's inability to tame the tongue shows the perversity of the tongue. At creation, God gave human beings the dominion over the animals that they have exercised ever since Genesis chapter 1. Now all kinds of creatures of the land, the sea, and the air have been subdued by them. To emphasize the continuing aspect of that dominance over the animals, James uses both the present and the perfect tenses, or present tenses of is tamed 
or being tamed and has been or have been tamed. Now for verse 8, but even though humanity has retained dominion over all kinds of animals, because of the fall they have lost dominion over themselves. When James says no man can tame the tongue, he is stating that no one by themselves can subdue the tongue. This is not to say that God cannot bring it under control. For the tongue of the regenerate person can be controlled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. In its natural state, the tongue is a restless evil, like a ferocious beast that will not be subdued. It is full of deadly poison, like a serpent, ready to inject venom into its victim. Now here in verse 9, James speaks of inconsistency as an aspect of the tongue's perversity, beginning here in verse 9 and continue through verse verses uh, 10, 11, and 12. We can use the same instrument to praise our Lord and Father, and we can use the same instrument to curse men. But praising God and cursing people is tantamount or serious to praising and cursing the same person for in verse 9. James describes a human being as made in God's likeness, which we first learned about back in Genesis chapter 1. Although married by sin, that image is still very much a reality, and human intellect, emotion, and will show that people still bear God's likeness. Now, obviously, James is not referring to such curses as those that Paul invoked on anyone who perverts the gospel that we find in Galatians chapter 1. Instead, it is the cursing that grows out of bitterness and hatred that James is speaking of. Here in verse 10, again, James stresses the inconsistency of the tongue in that it is the source of such direct opposites as praise and cursing. He does not only have the unsaved in mind, because he introduces his rebuke with the words, my brethren, or my brothers, which is a term, to another way of saying believers. The term used throughout this letter is addressed to the believers. So although believers have in the indwelling Holy Spirit the potential for controlling the tongue, they may not be appropriating this potential. Hence, James insists that this should be used consistently to praise God and to express love and kindness to other people. Now, this study of chapter 3 has brought us up here to verse 11, but I'm going to hold back till next time and get into verse 11 and continue onward with our discussion of controlling the tongue. So be sure to join me next time as we continue chapter chapter 3. God bless everyone. Have a great weekend and a happy fourth and keep living Christian strong.